What's up, everybody? So I want to let you know that the Alpha Brain Golden Ticket Sweepstakes are still going on. And that's just a rad opportunity not only to stock up on your Alpha Brain or give Alpha Brain a try. Because if you haven't tried Alpha Brain, it's definitely one of those tools that's different than any stimulant you've had and gets your brain firing in an absolutely different way. And that's what our clinical research has shown, and that's what everybody who's tried it. You know, we've sold over a million bottles of Alpha Brain, and the results are in. It works. It's awesome. So this is a great opportunity, though, because if you get the Golden Ticket Sweepstakes, everybody is a winner, and there's a bunch of cool shit that we're giving away, from kettlebell sets to different other products, to discounts. Every single person is going to be a winner if you go to the golden ticket sweepstakes so check it out on it.com slash golden ticket and then enter the code and fill in the entry form there's going to be a grand prize for one of you which is going to be a trip out here to austin and on hq so you'll be able to come hang at the hq and do all the awesome on it things so definitely check it out go to on it.com slash golden dash ticket and get your 30 count or 90 count bottle of alpha brain this podcast is brought to you by on it Honestly, I don't know what I would do without these tools for human optimization. What is human optimization? It's getting your body and mind into a state that's going to allow you to experience life to the absolute fullest. Really, the body is the base level of that pyramid. You got to take care of the body's needs. And we have all kinds of tools like the emulsified MCT oils, the supplements, the workout equipment, the information at the Onnit Academy to make sure that you're able to thrive so that you can live the best life possible. Go to onnit.com slash Aubrey. Check out the tools. You get 10% off when you go to that page and it supports the podcast. So please check it out on it.com slash Aubrey and enjoy the show. It was great to have our old friend Cub Swanson stop back by for a conversation. He's someone who's brought himself up from nothing, reached the pinnacle of the sport, taken some heavy losses, come back, three fight win streak, had a fight of the year. And really in this podcast, we get a chance to dive deep into some of those mental practices that make Cub truly special. So I hope you enjoy this podcast as much as I did. So you're a dude that's been through some shit, Cub. We were filming a little video talking about some of that, but I want to bring it up so we can talk about it in a little bit more detail here on the podcast. Like, it didn't start off all fucking sunshine and rainbows for you. <laughs> no, not at all. So so tell us a little bit about, like, you know, you know, get through childhood, but also those years where things were, you know, perhaps the darkest. Well, yeah, I mean, just starting off uh my life was crazy you know my my father passed away uh when i was three months old and the craziest part that about that is is that he was 33 and that's how old i am right now so he passed away um uh, with four kids and uh 33 years old and then boom you know i'm three months old and and born into you know a little bit of chaos mm -hmm. and, and you, well uh, you know who else passed away at 33 jesus <laughs> No, so, yeah, you know, true. you guys are in good company. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so it, it, I was kind of born into a little bit of craziness. And uh, I know my mom had a rough go at it for a while. Yeah. And because uh, that's got to just throw shit into a tailspin. A little yeah. Bit, and right? I was super unexpected. Yeah. And then to make things worse, just kind of how, you know, how things go when it rains, it pours. I believe my my mom's house was uh, burglarized and basically cleaned out while they were at the funeral because that's what people do they look uh you know in the newspaper and when there's a death and they know people are going to be gone they, they'll what the a shitty human being <laughs> yeah right? that's right you're at a fucking funeral and you rob the person's house yeah while they're at the funeral yeah that's like another level yeah that's the kind of scum of the earth that's out there you yeah. know that kind of people Jesus. you stay away from 
yeah. So I mean, I I was born into a, a crazy situation, but uh, you know, I I feel like I've always had loving people around me, and and uh, I've always tried to make the best of the situation. And I feel yeah. like that's kind of you know done well for me. Yeah. So then, fast forward, you make it through. You know, mom does your best to to raise you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but just environment and the place you're in, you end up in a house, bunch of dudes, bunch of drugs, a lot of violence. Mm-hmm. You know, what was that like? So, going back to, you know, I was basically adopted for ten years. Um, I visited my mom, and then. Uh, after when I was 13, I moved back with her uh-huh. and, uh, I made the choice, you know, that was like the first huge choice I ever was able allowed to make was what did I want to move back in with her. And, uh, me and my, me and my older brother moved back in with my mom and my oldest brother was already living with her and he was already into a bunch of stuff. So we moved in with her and, uh, she was busy trying to, you know, feed five, uh, six of us mm-hmm. and, uh, do the best she could. So she wasn't around as much and she didn't really have a lot of control over, you know, three boys in their teens. And so I just kind of did what my older brother was doing and getting to, to, to crazy drama and, uh, doing drugs, you know, going to parties and, and, uh, just being a lot of crazy people around, you know, yeah. gangs, drugs. And so, uh, she finally had enough and, and, uh, told us we had to move out. And I was 17 at the time I had already graduated high school. So, uh, out you on, being all smart yeah. graduating early. Yeah. Well, I started school early, so <laughs> you're like, nah, I just started early. Well, yeah. I think I was, I think I started kindergarten, uh, at just turned four. Now, did, did you get some fight experience cause you were younger? And yeah, like you were going to be a little bit smaller and the way these kids are like well, fucking little predatory dinosaur savages in our school system. Yeah. You know, if you're a little bit smaller than someone, they're going to try and. Well, first of all, my my oldest brother used to, you know, beat up my me and my other brother a lot. Just so that's good. You, you know, got a nice basis of ass yeah. kickings from an older brother. Yeah. And finally, I got bigger than him, you know, when I got older, you know, like oh, in how high you school. Like me now, son. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that that helped. But then my brother was just he had little man syndrome and uh he stopped growing early and he 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 was like a little napoleon you know so he he was always in fights and then i just inherited that like oh you're steve's brother you know (laughs) and and so that led to a lot of fights and uh yeah so i had a lot of experience so that was that was your kind of real world martial arts upbringing yeah did you at that point you realize you were fighting that much did you like try to learn some skills Did you like watch some kung fu movies or like put no some shit on or like go to like some local fight gyms and figure some shit out or you just scrapped just scrapped and because and, it was so much different there wasn't a lot of there was occasionally one-on-one fights but mostly like brawls would just break out yeah so it was more about um how fast can you get to the car once everything goes down and when we went to parties we literally parked our car down the street or in areas that we knew we could get to it mm-hmm. granted something went down because there were many times we would get into a fight and then somebody had a gun so yeah you, then it's like okay we got into a fight now get to the car and get out of there yeah 
it's one of those things where you like paying attention to what shoes you're wearing, <laughs> paying attention to like what clothes you're wearing. Yeah. Cause you gotta be mobile. Yeah. Just in case. Yeah. I, even me, like I never, I've gotten one fight, but still like, I don't quite feel comfortable going out with like slippery shoes on. Yeah. You know, if I have some like nice boots, you know, yeah. that just haven't been worn in. Right. And like a little slippery. I'm like, Oh, fuck this. Just in case, <laughs> just in case you never know when some shit's going to go down. Yeah. I want to fucking try and plant and yeah. then just have my feet go out in front of me. But I mean, that, aunt, that was like normal that became normal and and that and looking back it's not normal but that was the norm you know it was gunshots going off and it was to the point to where like if i heard a gunshot i wouldn't duck anymore it was like oh these dudes are shooting in the air trying to scare people right you know and there was times where i was like i would look left and right thinking someone popped some shots off in the air, but then I look over and someone's like, oh, I got shot. And I'm like, oh, shit, okay. <laughs> Fuck, man. It's funny, like, what people get used to. You know, yeah. I had a, obviously, like, if, you know, you're someone like Tim Kennedy, right? Mm-hmm. Like, the situations that he's calm in would be situations where most of the world would shit their pants. Yeah. But even, like, on a very small example of this, like, I was out with um, with Cowboy and his friend Mikey, who mm-hmm. been in also countless yeah. street fights. You know, they tell the story here on this podcast about this place they call Death Row, which is just <laughs> all the people would go out of the bars and they just go on this one street. And it's just where you went to fight after mm-hmm. you're done drinking if you weren't getting laid. Yeah. So, which is most of the people, obviously. So anyways, countless street fights, plus their profession, you know, mm-hmm. like. And, you know, there was just, we had some girls out with us and there's just, drunks like all around and this one drunk you know tried to grab one of the girls i had to like push him off and then he's like kind of bowed up and the girls got feisty and it's a rather unusual experience for me but to see just how fucking calm mikey and donald were in that situation they were like oh a fight might be about to break out yeah you know where i was like my adrenaline was i wasn't like too amped but i was like wow man like really keeping an eye out yeah and they're just like hey man relax we're all good like they've been down that road so many fucking times yeah you know and they knew exactly how aggressive somebody would be they knew what the likelihood of outcome of this turning into a fight with me i'm like man i don't know what the fuck's gonna happen like this guy's being all crazy like nah yeah it's crazy it's weird like when you're you know in that life for a long time you know how to read people you know it's like i noticed being at a bar and seeing like a bunch of bikers you know like kind of just separate from each other and go across the room and then i pick up that they were giving each other signals and then i was like okay it's time to go because these are the kind of guys that someone's gonna get stabbed you know these are the kind of guys that are crazy but also you know they're they're smart enough to have signals and they're 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 trying to get it a, the angle on people and so they're they're already planning something i just need to get out of here and like when those lions start cooperating to, yeah <laughs> to kind of fucking go for yeah. killer wolves or something like that yeah and then if it's like a drunk idiot then you know like th- that they're probably gonna swing but they don't have much going on they probably don't have a knife or something you yeah. know they're just being an idiot like yeah. you kind of learn how to gauge the situation interesting did you know that you had <clears throat> some aptitude for beating people up back then were you like man i'm pretty fucking good at this no because it just it i didn't have a lot of one-on-one fights so um 
So you were like, man, I'm pretty good at sucker punching. Fuck yeah, or, or just being aware of my situation <laughs> yeah. so I don't get sucker punched. Yeah. But I just was an athlete. You know, I've always felt like a good athlete. Me and my brothers played sports growing up. Things were pretty easy. Um, baseball? No, I didn't play baseball. Oh, I played t-ball. And yeah. then what happened was they put me on, like, the worst team. Um, it was the Giants. And uh, there was, like, two girls on our team. And it was kind of, you know how it is, the, the the best, the coaches pick the players that they know. And so I just registered and then they just put me on the team that nobody wanted to be on. And so I remember playing in like at shortstop and I caught the ball and I threw it to first base and the kid just stared at me with his glove up and it went past him. <laughs> and it like frustrated me so much that when the next time a ball came to me i was gonna throw it to him and just go well this guy can't catch so i ran to first base and, <laughs> and beat the guy and tagged him out so like they're like you can't do that and i was like well this sport is stupid <laughs> that's it yeah that's and so it. that's yeah and i've never really been that big of a baseball fan since yeah that's funny um so there was there was at some point there was a turning point some point you were like this is not the way i want to live mm -hmm. like when did that point happen? Was there like a rock bottom moment? You know, like a lot of people have these rock bottom moments and some people just decide. And yeah. that's like a really key concept, like decide this is rock bottom. Mm -hmm. Before it even actually hits the actual rock, they're like, no, enough's enough. Yeah. Which, which was it for you? I, ne I don't think I really hit a rock bottom. Um, I felt like I was having those those moments where I would sit there and go, is this it? Is this your life? I really feel, feel like actually when I went to juvenile hall, um, I was going to stop getting in trouble, stop mm. getting caught yeah. doing dumb stuff. And then it, it wasn't until a couple years later that I really changed my life. Um, How fucked up was juvie? It was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Tell Just, us about that. What was that like? Man, it's it's weird. It's like a whole another life. Um the things you learn and I can only imagine what prison is like because I'm sure it's a thousand times worse. But mm -hmm. just the way that you have to think, it was constant like racial and um, like gang fights. Mm -hmm. And you had to be careful of who you disrespected and you had to uh, make friends with the right people. Um, because if like you had a problem with the guy that got in charge with laundry you every day that you got your new pair of underwear they would be the most disgusting things that you've ever seen and it's like little things like that mm -hmm. were very important yeah. you know wow so it's like <laughs> the like stories in there are just ridiculous you know um so all i tried to do was not get into any fights because i didn't want more time added <laughs> on because these guys were so dumb that it's like they would do something to somebody and then like while they were asleep to as punishment for something and then when the guy said you know fuck whoever did this that person would say well i did it well what's up and it's like you're like their ego they couldn't just stay quiet yeah they would like rat themselves out and then they would get into a fight and then now they have more time added to their sentence yeah. you know and it's just like help themselves yeah and i'm like well, what what is your guys problem you know yeah so like when i had stuff uh, when I was, it was understood that I had to like take care of a situation. I was like, okay, I'll just pay this guy a Snickers 
because <laughs> that's what that was like money uh-huh. i was like you go fight this guy yeah because i don't want to get in trouble for it right. and then when so you had to play it smart yeah so i was i was smarter than them at the time yeah so that was strategy whole, yeah that's been the kind of a theme for you yeah. you know even trans going into your fight yeah life. i wonder if maybe that forcing you to learn that kind of strategy because i remember you know couple years ago you were out and you were just talking about the strategy of your striking yeah and it's a really you know you really cerebrally take this seriously you know planning yeah. several moves ahead yeah you know, i mean you, you have know to where that stuff starts but yeah and then you know in juvenile hall it was like if i'm trying to get out the goal was to get out as quickly as possible yeah so not adding time to it at the same time i was trying to make the best of the situation by doing all my schoolwork so i caught up with the whole i had missed a year of school by just ditching so i had to make up for it and i did it i did a year's worth of work in three months in in juvenile hall so so i'll to the you know when i had to go in front of the judge they're like well look he's doing all his schoolwork he hasn't gotten any trouble Mm -hmm. you know but at the same time i still had to defend myself in there and do all the things because people would poke at you and and try to you know, get you to, to mess up. And if you, if you put yourself in the situation and, and like where you could get punked, you know, mm-hmm. where if you showed you were weak, then everybody would take advantage of yeah. you. So it was like a very crazy balance. Yeah. It's like, uh, you know, it's kind of like one of those classic reality shows, but yeah. there's no cameras. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No fairness and yeah. no tapping out. You know, you're just in it. You have to survive in a crazy situation yeah. where social law, you know, determines your yeah. success. And then you have so much time in this cell. And I eventually was in group rooms where, you know, there'd be five, six of us in there and you learn how to use the restroom without pissing people off, you know, like, and then you, then you learn like, uh, how we, do you do that you just uh, like you gotta you flush a lot <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so then another crazy thing is uh we would communicate just to do it because we were bored with the rooms next door and we did that by taking a extra pillow that happened to be in the room and and um they were plastic pillows with a with a cover and we mm-hmm. take the the sheet off and it was a plastic pillow and uh, super uncomfortable and uh you put on the toilet and you would they would like sit on it like like uh and use it kind of like a plunger Mm. and they would make the water level in the toilet drop and the people next door would do it and you could talk through the toilet through the pipes (laughs) it's like crazy things (laughs) that you figure out when you're stuck in one place for so long yeah innovation coming from that i heard one fucked up story from another fighter who went to juvie who got super drunk and I'm not going to mention who it is. He gets super drunk and he starts talking to me about <clears throat> peanut butter. And mm-hmm. he's like talking to me about peanut butter. And I was like, yeah, all right. And he's like, yeah. He's like, you just, you know, you put the peanut butter on the asshole. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What are you talking about, man? He's like, yeah, you know, I mean, it's, I mean, it's prison. It's not gay. It's prison. <laughs> you know, I was like, what the fuck are you talking about, man? I was like, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. It gets dark in there. Yeah, some people <laughs> did not. That that was that's how you a fight gets started real quick. <laughs> if you peanut butter somebody, yeah, you or stay over there. Do, do you do you not eat peanut butter sandwiches this day? Do you look at a peanut butter sandwich and what, go? Uh, well, no see, bite. I got offered I got offered speed when I was in juvenile hall, and I just looked at the guy like he was nuts, and I was like, 
you're trying to take away the only things that I like right now, which are sleep and food. <laughs> yeah. and, and that's the only thing I look forward to yeah, in this place. You want to be awake longer in yeah, fucking like, prison? Yeah, that's terrible. So, yeah, worst, worst drug. Yeah, but going back to the what you originally asked of, I've always found that what separates me from a lot of people that you know I come across that are in bad situations is the fact that I was able to have these I call them life-changing moments and I'm able to recognize that now um and before I couldn't I would hit like rock bottom or a low point in life and then reflect and go man I don't like this I want to change and then I'll go to bed and wake up the next day and you just keep doing what you were doing and then there comes a point where you hit that that roadblock again and you go man I don't like this I need to change and then you don't change it and and finally I did make that change how were you able to do that I just made a a choice and and it's really what it comes down to yeah I mean fucking choice it's a choice and you have to stick to it and then that choice is going to have roadblocks but you just got to get around them but it's moving the uh, the right direction finally and I feel like since I decided to do that when I was 19 to pursue martial arts and just to do something different and make the right choices of not doing drugs and not doing the things that were kept getting me in bad places it hasn't been easy but my life has been better ever mm-hmm. since and I just always tell people that my ability to recognize life-changing moments and then act on it and make that conscious decision has really like changed me as a person and made me who I am. Yeah, there's a <clears throat> you know a, a great saying that people change from inspiration or desperation. You know, mm-hmm. like some people, it takes the heart attack before they actually start. Yeah. You know, fixing their diet. Yeah. You know, and some people it takes like absolutely abject rock bottom. Yeah. You know, before they make a change. And some people have the ability to see things not going the way they want and through inspiration just be like, you know, I don't like this. Like I have to move. And that's probably the most essential skill that we can have is to not force the world to make things so fucking (laughs) miserable that we have to change. But instead, when things are even okay, be like, no, enough is enough. Like, I'm not doing this anymore. It's not serving me. Yeah. You know, it's not serving my ultimate mission, my ultimate goal. And I think that's another key thing that you said. Like, you had a very clear mission when you were in juvie. You wanted to get out. Mm-hmm. You know, you wanted to get out and you wanted to accomplish as much as you could and also have as peaceful an experience as you could along the way. Yeah. Like, and you weren't willing to bend that, you know, when your emotions got riled up, when everything got riled up. I mean, in so many situations, people lose sight of what the mission is. Like, like even think of something like trivial, like, all right, you have to break up with your girlfriend or boyfriend, right? Mm -hmm. Like the mission should be to go there to separate as peacefully and as lovingly as possible with as little damage as can can be done, you know, and make sure that it's done. But what ends up happening, you get in there, you start fucking yelling at each other, you know, you make things all chaotic and messy and worse. And it's like, they aren't able to stick to the mission. And the same thing could happen in prison. You could have been like, no, fuck you motherfucker. And gotten all these fights and then chaos goes out. And then all of a sudden you're in there for another six months and it's hell the whole way through, you know, like the ability to identify even in the small situations, this is my mission. This is the strategy. This is what I got to do to get out. Yeah. And people, you know, it's it's a it's a super important thing to do. Yeah, and I think that's why you always hear successful people say you have to have somewhat of a game plan and and you have to have like a list, a to-do list. 
you know, that way you're not just like living life carelessly. You kind of have goals, you know, yeah. and, and you're trying to reach those goals. And then within that large goal, you have many small ones because yeah. you need those small victories to make you feel like, oh, I'm getting somewhere. And, and I, you can relay that, you know, to anything. And it, it becomes, you know, instead of even looking at it as goals, you look at it like a mission and then the process to get you there to that mm-hmm. mission. And then even, you know, I get a chance to talk with a lot of fighters and it's important for me to remind them like, all right, what's the mission here? And generally it's make as much money as possible and take as little damage as possible. Yeah. Right? And I'm like, so why are you taking the fights? Cause some dude called you out, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, that motherfucker said this thing about me. So yeah. I was like, does that fit with the mission? Like, is that really following the mission or is that just your ego got, you know, got in, got tickled a little bit yeah. and you want to settle some shit, you know, like having that mission and then just making sure that you stick with it. So crucial for whatever it is. Cause the forces of resistance, our own emotions or everything, they'll steer us off in all kinds yeah. of weird paths. Yeah. And those are all, all the things you brought up are all things that are very emotional, you know, a break totally. up with someone or, you know, somebody talking crap are the most yeah. emotional things, totally. you know? So yeah, I, I, I believe that you got to know where you're going and, and what's the purpose and, and try not to get too emotional. Mm-hmm. And what happens when like you have a good plan, you have some good goals, things are going fucking right on track you had like a seven fight win streak you know mm-hmm. shit was you were on fire mm-hmm. and then some shit does not happen according to plan frankie edgar austin mm-hmm. texas not part of the fucking <laughs> yeah. plan right how do you you know and then that subsequently max holloway fight mm-hmm. you know two losses after that big win streak how <clears throat> how do you bounce back how do you find the resiliency in those moments when you had a good fucking plan You've done everything you could, or do you look back and think maybe I didn't do everything I could? Like, well, how does how does that work? Like, what do you think about when you think about those moments? I would imagine it it'd be like just somebody who's trying to invent something that's never been done before. You 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 build something, and then you're pretty proud of it. And then it gets torn down mm-hmm. because it's not what it needed to be uh, to survive. And then you build another one, and that's not it tear it down you build another one you know you ask like an inventor how many prototypes did you have oh maybe 20 so it's like how many times do i have to rebuild myself and every time it's difficult because every time you're rebuilding you're thinking this is the one this is the one you know so when you're on that win streak and everyone's hyping you up and telling you how great you are you're like this is it i'm this is the best version of myself and then boom you just get torn down just you know to the to the lowest possibility and then i think a lot of people in their fight careers is they just go okay i'm gonna retire now you know and and that's it but i had to really ask myself okay is this the best version of yourself have you had your best fights and then you look at like my last fight like that would have never happened had i had i quit a few times you know so and and that option was there and but i said I really don't feel like the best version of myself has happened yet. And I feel like I still have work to do. Mm-hmm. So I went back to the drawing board. I questioned everything. I questioned every person around me, you know, and not, not in a negative way. It's just like, well, how could they be better at making me better? Mm-hmm. You know, um, how am I the best at taking criticism? And, you know, like, you know, am I pushing myself hard enough? You question everything. And then 
you rebuild and and i feel like i'm a better version of myself because of it that's extremely wise and i think you know another to use that inventor analogy it's almost like you identify not as the invention but as the inventor right because like the body and who you are like what the fighter that came into the ring that's your invention yeah you've put all the work you've created that prototype you've you've added the skills you've trained the muscles you've programmed the thought patterns that's the invention of the inventor that force behind it all right and if you identify as the invention this is me the fighter who's doing all these no 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 no. you're the inventor who created that thing you created that fighter that's going in there yeah you know and at that point then you have the ability to divorce yourself from from the outcome yeah and be like oh well that invention failed but i am a very clever inventor i'm going to go back and i'm going to recreate this invention with new skills and new techniques Mm -hmm. and and be able to do it and you know that's the classic spiritual move of identifying as consciousness as identifying as the thinker behind the thoughts the the observer behind the actions rather than the actions and the thoughts and the self that you've created yeah and if you're able to do that you know at that point you have so much more freedom because you're not all emotionally invested in the invention yeah same with someone who's running a company you know they'll get so involved as the company is them that's their identity that's who they are yeah you know no you're the person who built this thing yeah but you're still you if that thing you know has problems or if that thing fails or the the artist who creates the art if someone criticizes your art you know some it's, it's hard yeah it hurts fuck yeah it hurts. Yeah. fucking hurts a lot but you're still the artist who created the art you know this is just the art yeah and and in any in any in any way that's going to be helpful but you know i think it's a, a i've never even thought about it that way as a fighter but i think it's a fucking brilliant and super crucial to allow you to take a look you know without bias and be like oh this happened because you know what other people do people people will come up with all kinds of excuses so mm-hmm. they don't have to change so they don't have to alter the invention yeah and it's like no the invention was perfect man it's just some weird shit happened now yeah know. well i mean and i feel like they have to because if they're not gonna do all those things every fighter has to feel at some point that they're the best in the world or the best in their promotion or they yeah. you know they they build up to that being the best in the world in their own head because it's like if I get put, if, if I'm in the UFC and I'm in the talent pool of, you know, 60 of the best fighters in the world at my weight class, and that's my job is to try to be the best one of them, I have to believe it, you know? And if I lose, I how do I believe it? I have to convince myself that I am, that something happened. Either you have to get better or you have to convince yourself, ah, something happened. I'm still the best. It was just a fluke, you know, because how else can you move forward? So it's one is either convince mm-hmm. yourself that something happened or get better. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, again, it goes back to the identification of I. What mm-hmm. are you identifying as I? You can still believe I am the best. Mm-hmm. The inventor of this fighter is the best. Mm-hmm. My spirit, my heart, my intelligence, the skills that I'm going to accumulate. I am the best that invention failed yeah invention was not the best it was lacking these skills it was lacking this thing that i needed to add you know this little bit of wrestling this little bit of jits this little bit you know these striking techniques i was i was lacking that lacking Mm -hmm. this endurance piece you know yeah my invention wasn't quite right but i'm the best you know and i think that would be the way i think the healthiest way yeah out of that scenario because otherwise 
you just kind of make excuses and come out with the same invention again yeah. and generally the same shit happens yeah you know and you get stuck in that in that kind of loop because you're identifying is the wrong thing mm-hmm. yeah i i hadn't even really thought about it like that in depth and and uh but hearing you say it, it, it makes even more sense because, I mean, take a, a, a guy running a business, like you said, if the business fails, it's like, I'm a failure. No, right. it's just there, there could have been a few things wrong with the, with exactly. the business and you, you learn from it, you yeah. know, and you keep going. I mean, how many businesses uh, are going to fall before one works? It's, it happens Tell all us. the time. Tell so yeah, I think, you know, Brian Stan's the one that told me a long time ago, uh, how he deal with a loss and just really not beating himself up as a failure and just going just that loss doesn't define me as a human being mm-hmm. and and that's what helped me kind of mentally get past it and just go okay how can i recreate yeah like almost like you ever see that show the battle bots yeah where they create those little yeah. things one has like a big hammer the other ones yeah. the spinning ones generally win yeah but occasionally the spinning one loses to the flipping ones <laughs> like flip that motherfucker yeah. on its head. i did like watching those <laughs> i do like it's that. interesting but that's kind of that's kind of what a fighter is like they're kind of creating their own battle bot yeah. with their own path to victory you know mm-hmm. the the jits i mean everybody's so well cross-trained now it's a little yeah. bit different because the battle bots are more single-minded but nonetheless you have your defense your offense your special technique yeah. that that thing that you can force somebody into that is your undeniable you know your undeniable force and skill and then but you know you get in there and you have someone who has a new thing that's undeniable you got to take a look at your battle bot and be like damn my battle bot's got to be ready for that motherfucker he's got this thing well i i always use the kind of analogy similar to that to people ask me how do you diet you know and the thing is, is when my when I'm mentally focused in the fight and I'm ready, like I'm in fight camp, of course you have cravings and things like that. But when I'm consciously thinking about what I'm eating and putting in my body, it's it's really about like I tell them like you wouldn't if you owned a NASCAR and that you were a professional driver, you wouldn't pull up to AMP and just put like 87 <laughs> gas in there. Yeah. You know, you 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 think that is crazy no you you put the best quality products into that machine and that's how i think of dieting i'm trying to put the best quality products into this machine that way i can perform at my best yeah and that's the way i think about eating i don't think about it like emotionally like oh that sounds amazing yeah you know? trying to please that little flesh pad yeah. of pleasure on your in yeah. your mouth because then with the right sensation that those skittles give you when yeah, they fucking and then touch your tongue later you feel like crap yeah. and you're performing like crap so it's like that's how i think of it and that's how i separate myself you know when i'm eating again it's you're identifying as the driver not the car because yeah, the exactly. car the body's going to tell you all kinds of fucked up shit and where that comes from you know there's a lot of different theories like mm-hmm. maybe it's the microorganisms in your body because we're all just this cellular communication network all of the cells communicate to the brain and the brain decides who they're listening to well we got a bunch of cells in our guts that are do not have our best interest in mind Mm -hmm. you know all of the parasites and worms and candida they really want to turn us into a pile of flesh that they can completely decompose and reproduce like rampant and take us over like so maybe it's some of their communication that's coming through that's being like yeah eat that twinkie dog it's gonna be good for you you know they're trying to act literally put us in the dirt you know so you can't listen to all of these cravings in the body you got to identify like 
where it's coming from. Like, yeah. yeah, maybe after a hard workout, that craving for protein, you know, listen to that thing or the craving for more salt. Maybe your body needs those minerals, but maybe it's some bad craving that you yeah. really shouldn't listen to. But being able to be the driver instead of just being the car, it's that same move. Mm -hmm. It's like where you you are a force like above all of the voices making yeah. those most conscious decisions and not subject to these emotional or kind of impulsive thoughts that come through you. Yeah, and see, this is like one of those moments where I'm like, write that down. Because that's, <laughs> that's something that I do that I'd never have taught my students, you know, yeah. that I need to, yeah. you know, to just something to work towards. Because mm -hmm. I try to give them everything that, that I have, you know, that my knowledge. But a lot of things that um, people that are great at something do, they don't realize they do because they just do it. Yeah. You know, so it's very hard to teach. Yeah. Until you realize, oh, yeah, I do do that. Yeah. Yeah, it's something that you've kind of intuitively learned and just. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, <clears throat> well, man, tell us about this last fight because that, that was some epic shit. <laughs> that was so. Um, Duhu Choi. Mm -hmm. Is that how you pronounce his name? Yeah. And this kid was a lot of hype. Yeah. You know, people come up. He was putting people to sleep. Yeah. Yeah. He was just fucking knocking people out. And I think anytime, you know, an Asian fighter's doing good, they get a lot of hype because it's a huge ass market. Yeah. I mean, let's just talk about the business dynamics of that. Um, you know, you get an Asian champion all of a sudden, your pay per view buys in this whole section of the world, one third of the fucking human population yeah. starts to pay more attention. It's just the way it goes. Um, so that was part of it, but part of it, he's he's a fucking hell of a fighter. Yeah. Um, you're going in, you're going in as an underdog, even though you're coming off two wins. And uh and then magic. Magic happens. Like so I guess take us through like the startup of that, and then at what point did you realize something special was going on in that fight? Yeah, well, I mean we got offered the fight. Uh I knew it was between him and somebody else. Uh, I can't remember. I think it was him or Dennis Bermudez was one of the opponents they were going to give me. Um, it ended up being Choi. Took the fight. He was asking for it. He was kind of calling me out, but respectfully. And uh, But to me, I knew it. I, I kind of took it as if you're calling me out, it's in a respectful way. It's still disrespectful because you believe that you're better than me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my my fighter instinct goes, no, you're not, you know? So, um, what I had took from the whole thing was that he was calling me out. Cause I figured that he thought that I was the easiest in the top 15 to yeah. pick off. So that, that's what bugged me. Cause yeah. it's like of everybody, why me? And, uh, so that, that's what fired me up about it. And so going back to two fights prior, I was fighting grapplers and I trained a lot of strength training. I slowed down a little bit because I wanted to make sure that, um, I was nice and strong and able to get out of any submissions or not the same thing that happened in the Frankie Edgar fight. I wasn't going to let it happen again. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to conquer that. This fight was more like the Max Holloway fight where somebody's long and fast and, mm -hmm. and uh, very technical and I wasn't going to allow that to happen again. So again, I'm going back to trying to fix those things that I had done wrong. And um, so I was knew that I was going to come faster more explosive than he had seen and i figured that he thinks that i'm getting older i'm slowing down mm -hmm. so i did a little bit less strength training a lot of sprints and agility training and just anything to just make me more an explosive athlete and then the game plan going into the fight was kind of 
everybody that he had knocked out was kind of on their heels standing in front of him and he does a good job of kind of you know the snake charmer you know mm-hmm. makes you sit there and then boom he hits you change of change of speed yeah and then yeah. just and guys are crumbling so i watch those videos and i'm like these these guys are good fighters and they they get hit once and they're crumbling mm-hmm. and so it made me like really look at the video of what he's doing and so my game plan was just to keep moving keep moving and chip away at him and um because i knew my coaches wanted me to chip away at him and just keep fighting that fight but i knew that i was gonna have to scrap with him because i was like this kid's not gonna go away i'm not gonna chip away at him and he's gonna quit like i I just knew he was tough so i was like what i'd like to do is chip away at him for the first round and slow him down to where because he's beat so many people in the first round i want to slow him down so the going into the second and third round when when we're ready to scrap Mm-hmm. He he's ready to fire off like he had in the past, but his tools aren't working the same because right. I chipped away at him. Yeah. So that was the game plan. And then once I realized that he didn't like moving backwards, he liked to be the guy that dictated the pace and I started pushing him, he didn't like it. And so that made it a lot easier because I'm like, oh, I can brawl, you know, yeah. <laughs> I, I, but I can brawl with pro boxers and, and the best of them. So uh, I just decided to, every time he tried to throw a jab i was thinking of throwing three haymakers over the top yeah and uh and then just kind of doing funky rhythm patterns so that he couldn't catch me there at certain points you hit him so clean Mm -hmm. like so clean like the things that you dream about i know you're you're a big visualization guy yeah like the punches and the kicks and the knees that you're like oh yeah that's the sweet one yeah and he just took it like yeah. Terminator zombie style. Yeah. <laughs> what were you thinking at that point? It was tripping me out because <laughs> I, I literally, there's a couple strikes that landed on him that were like, when I, when I hit pads and I throw like a certain combination and I, I land it perfectly. I can feel my fist hitting my pad holders hand, like the palm of their hand. Yeah. And I know that I can feel it like generating up their shoulder and that, and I'll watch them kind of shake it off. Like I know mm-hmm. when it hits hard and perfect. And then on sparring partners, there's a couple of times when we're deep into battle and I can land this combination and I hit it and I see them buckle in the knees and I'll pull back because I'm not yeah. going to try to finish them off. But I mean, these are like guys that can take shots yep. and I hit them with and a shot. And headgear on too. Yeah. Headgear and 16s. Yeah. And, and, I hit him with something very similar, like pretty much the exact same thing I hit him with and hurt him. And I hit him with it and he just took it, you know? <laughs> and that just was frustrating. Yeah. You know? It's like one of those dreams yeah. where like you're in a dream and you're, like you're hitting the shit out of somebody yeah. and they just not being phased by it. Yeah. But I was hitting him hard. Yeah, and I know because sure. when I took my gloves off, my knuckles were purple like all of them, like all the way down to my yeah. fingertips, my, my hands were purple and they weren't, they were just sore. They weren't, um, like broken. I know when yeah. a, I know when a hand is broken. Um, but yeah, they were just bruised. Like I couldn't even put my own shoes on like without being in pain because, you know, to put your finger in and try to slide your foot <laughs> in, like it hurt my hands. And, uh, yeah, so I knew I hit him hard and he was just one tough guy and he had heart. Yeah. That, and and it's kind of a superpower. I yeah. mean, there's 
that is a very fraction of human beings that could take that yeah that kind of punishment and also probably smart training to keep his brain in a some kind of condition that it was nice and juicy so yeah. he could go through those but he's gonna have to be careful because he doesn't want to continue yeah. to do that yeah he definitely but i mean he did some things on the coolest thing is be able to watch the fight in slow motion you learn a lot um that so the one time he did hurt me was i was being a little reckless and i was just trying to pour it on him and i threw a wide loopy hook and he he his best punch is a straight right and mm-hmm. he he went right inside my my sloppy hook and caught me on the chin. Yeah. So later in the fight, and I believe it was the second round, um, I think I we were in a clinch. We pushed off, and he kept his guard up, and I threw a right uppercut, a left hook, a right, and then he was he was kind of taking the punches, but they weren't like the hardest things. And um, he saw me throw right, left, right, and then the next punch would be left right you know mm-hmm. it, that's how people fight they go left right left right and then right. you try to break that rhythm by going left right left right 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 and that's what i did so he he saw me go right left right and then he thought the left was coming and he recognized it and he tried to slip in that straight right again where he had caught me before mm-hmm. but instead i switched the pattern and i paused on the left and started another right so i went right left right right left and then he threw that right hand right down the pipe, just like he did before. But when I switched the pattern, I, my right hand hit him first yeah. and his head snapped back. And that was when he kind of fell against the cage. Uh-huh. So it was like, I knew that I was going to beat him on smarts. So I had a broken rhythm. He thought he had my rhythm and I broke that rhythm. And that's when I heard him the most were times like that. Yeah. That was, uh, you know, even back from the day, it was one thing that impressed me was how much you would break down, you know, the striking game. Because I've also, again, seen fighters who do it the other way, where it's like, no, nah, man, I don't watch tape. It's just a fight, yeah. man. You're yeah. Like, What's the game plan? I don't know. I'm going to go in there and fight them. Like, yeah. I don't think that's the best way. Yeah. You know, like, I think there's a lot of things that you can learn yeah. that will do that. I mean, even, uh, I don't know if you got to see it, but um, Paul Felder had an amazing victory last night last night now i was on the plane and he was talking about <clears throat> forget the name of his opponent right now but he was talking about how he analyzed this dude's patterns and his combinations mm-hmm. like he knew what his favorite shit was and he yeah. memorized it and they trained they'd had people practicing it and he found the counters that that he liked to that and it was a lot of like lead elbows and and things yeah. like that and it worked out exactly as he had planned you know the counter to this combo was him stepping in with the lead elbow broke this dude's nose yeah you know and it was consistently working and that was that would have been a much tougher fight had he not really analyzed yeah he would have just been a another rock'em sock'em fight because he's had some of those he's had some of those And, and i i think those have been some of my favorite fights is i've been able to recognize things before the fight and then pull them off and that's like the most gratifying Mm -hmm. because it's like you saw it happen before it happened and and you made it happen so to me though those fights have been the best and and the the things that i'm most proud about and and that's i always tell my students back home yeah if, if i throw a spinning uh back kick you know that's just one thing they have to think about mm-hmm. you know it's like when i walk up to an opponent i i I know where I'm vulnerable, right? And then I'm seeing where's their power coming from. It's coming from, 
you know, my, my right side, right above my eye or going to the body, it's lower. Right. So it's like, that's where my defense needs to be. Yeah. Right. And if I like, when I fought Dennis Ever, when I first thought I was like, man, he's got some dangerous, you know, things about him. But then when I really watched tape on him, he was only dangerous in two places. My, my whole right side up high and low. Cause he had a left hook, a snapping left head kick and a spinning right kick, but it only, he only spins one direction. Mm -hmm. So I could literally walk up to the guy and fight him the whole time with my right hand pinned to my face and my body, and he would never hurt me <laughs> because his yeah. only attacks were right, right. there. Right. So it makes me more confident walking towards somebody when I know what their strength is. Now, somebody who's going to, you know, be dangerous everywhere, you know, you don't know if they're going to take you down or what they're going to throw, if they're going to do a... You know, why I do cartwheel kick and a spinning kick and a flying knee and a, and have a nice jab and a big overhand right. And, you know, then he switches stances. Now I'm giving that guy so many things to worry about. He's constantly mentally on defense. Yeah. And you can't ever win a fight if you're just 100% on defense all the time. Yeah. You know, I, I read, I think it was a little meme even this morning, and it said the best way to predict the future is to control the future. <laughs> You know, mm -hmm. and that's never more true than for fighters. Yeah. You know, fighting is a chaotic thing, but if you can steer your opponent into certain lanes, yeah. you know, force their actions to come out a certain way based upon your preparation and what you're able to do, yeah. you're going to win that nine yeah. out of ten times. You know, and, and that's the it's the same way no matter what you're doing. This is you know, fighting is just a metaphor for all things in life. You approach these things with as much preparation as much practice. You know, you know what direction you're going to push somebody. It could be, fuck, stand-up comedy. You know how to set that joke up. You know how to take yeah. the tone into this way and then deliver the final punch, which yeah. is the, you know, that. Or whether it's a presentation at work. You know, you're laying out these defenses, covering these uh, potential objections, mm -hmm. figuring out these things. Any way that you're being persuasive, anything that you have to do to convince somebody it could even be fucking going out on a date you <laughs> yeah. know like like you can apply this stuff and well, be like, <laughs> i mean and girls do that they they have uh, uh something goes wrong i'm gonna fake this text and they yeah, always so have an out they right? have their, they have and, their and that's smart because mm -hmm. you don't know who you're meeting if it's a blind date you yeah. know what i'm saying i think i think that's the biggest thing for fighters that i feel like i really see more now as i've been doing this so long as i've seen so many people make it, but I've seen so many people's dreams crushed. And then we see like, well, where are they now type scenario. And I, I feel like a lot of guys just have so much trouble. And you see this with any sport, what happens when it's over. Mm -hmm. And I feel like as fighters, we, we're not doing a good job of taking the, the skills that you learn from fighting and translating into life and then remembering like, I was an alpha male. I was a, I was a beast. Mm -hmm. Let me apply that to whatever, whatever I'm going to do next. Not just, I guess I'll take this job. You know what yeah. I mean? Type mentality. Or you know, you guys all push yourself through impossible shit in training. Yeah. You know, but like, you can do the same thing in studying another craft, mm -hmm. and it's not going to be physical punishment. It's going to be mental focus and attention. Like how many hours can you read that book that's boring as shit but it's going to help you on your next path yeah you know how many times can you wake up and do the same practice to prepare you for whatever that thing is you know yeah. how disciplined can you be in these other areas and you know that's 
that's I think the key and learn learn something specifically and apply it broadly. Yeah. Like well, you, I think <clears throat> I think passion. Mm-hmm. You we had passion for the sport, so you have to either find something you're passionate about or find a way to be passionate about being good at that or having pride in that. Yeah. You know, it's like it's easy for us if you decide to be a fighter to have pride to win because no one likes losing. You don't sure. show up every game. Well, you have a stark, beat have up stark negative motivation. Right? Exactly. Because the motivation of not losing is a really powerful force, yeah. which you might not have in life. It could be just all about winning. Yeah. So you have to get as fired up about winning as you are scared of losing yeah, exactly. on the other side. And so it's like, I feel like whenever fighters have that, okay, whatever, what I got to do next in life, they're not, they're just kind of settling and they're not having that same drive and that same like, no, I, I'm going to be the greatest at whatever it is I'm going to do. Okay, I got this job offer. It's a good job offer but it's not really what I want to do, but let me attack it. Let me, let me, let me be the best at it I can be. And I feel like those are the people that have had that attitude are, are the most successful, yeah. you know, not the ones that are like, Oh, I didn't make it as a fighter. Or I, you know, I didn't go out on my terms. You know, they kind of have that negative attitude sure. going in and they're just, they're forgetting how much tools and, and, and how much knowledge they have at being great. Yeah practicing and being great and also i think it it also you know goes back to mission like even if you're not passionate about the specific little like a lot of people probably aren't passionate about some of the grinding aspects of training like Mm -hmm. some of the road runs and some Mm -hmm. of the fucking conditioning things that you guys do like yeah it just sucks but the mission is the mission is really important and sometimes in professional life some of the stuff you do is going to suck yeah but if you're passionate about the mission like you know, I want to have the financial resources, the wherewithal to inspire the people, to have a family, to help my homies that are that, that need help when they need help, to be able to be this force, mm-hmm. you know, in my life and just be passionate about that and realize like it doesn't all have to be fun. Yeah. You know, some of the stuff you're just going to have to accept, some of the stuff you're going to enjoy and some of the stuff you're going to be truly enthusiastic about. Yeah. But as long as you have your mission and you're yeah. enthusiastic about your mission, then you just accept the stuff that sucks. Yeah. I think if people had that mindset and their mission, they would be more successful. I mean, I've been motivated because I've had the good fortune of hearing some really powerful people speak mm-hmm. um, and just seeing like how good they are at just public speaking and mm-hmm. inspiring people is making me like excited to my next talks, like be better. Cause I've yeah. kind of just shared my story and, and I feel like I could have just, giving people the the tools to how I got there, like little things, you know, like we talked about just recognizing a, a something wrong and wanting a change and saying, I can do that. And then having that mission statement or that, that goal and, and just what, even if it's not the goal that you're going to have long-term, but having a goal mm-hmm. and being able to work towards something, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like build positive momentum. Yeah. Like that's, that's kind of the, the things I want to start telling, you know, kids when I go talk. Dope. What's the, uh, what's, what do you want to get out of fighting for the rest of your career here? What's the goal? It, you know, what's funny is like you get lost in kind of like the want to be a champ and this and that. And, and really from Day one, I thought the coolest thing in the world would be 
being able to have like a grandkid on my lap because I remember hearing like my grandpa talk about being a boxer in the army and then just thinking that was cool, you know, and kind of, you know, I wanted to be a, a grandfather one day, have a kid on my lap, my grandkid on my lap and go, yeah, it was pretty tough. And then have them look me up or something yeah. and go fight of the year, 2016. Yeah, and just be proud. <laughs> yeah. And so that motivated me. And so that always wanted me to be, you know, okay, how great can I be? Yeah. I just wanted to maximize my ability and, and to reach my full potential in, in my own, uh, w- what I felt was. And um, that would make me happy. And then when I'm done, when I'm ready to walk away from fighting, I could do it easily. You know, like you see guys that have, that retire on their own terms and they're just, you know, whether they had championships, but they were an amazing player and they and be at peace with it. I don't mm-hmm. want to be one of those people that always feels like, man, I, I wish I could still do it or I wish yeah. I would have had another chance. I don't want to have I any think regrets. Uriah, Uriah is a good example of someone who, you know, Uriah Faber just yeah. went out like that. Yeah. Kind of a cool way. Yeah. Um, I mean, never it, quite, never quite got the belt, but yeah, you know, but just went out on his own terms and, you know, yeah, he smile. was a lot of accomplishments. He, and what I also admire about him is, uh, you know, granted me and him always were close to fighting, so we were never <laughs> friends, but later in life, you know, we were kind of became friends, you know, and, uh, but he became good in business and, yeah. and kind of set himself up real well to be able to exit out on his terms. So mm-hmm. when he said, yeah, you know what, this will be my last fight. It wasn't as hard for him, I would imagine, because I'm not him, but I would imagine it was easier for him than a lot of people because he did all the right things. Yeah, yeah. the worst case scenario is you really don't want to fight. Your body's not up to it, but you're looking at your bank account like, what the hell am I going to do? Yeah, and I feel like there are a lot of fighters like that and athletes in general. And uh, to me right now at this moment, that's what it's about. It's about still chasing the best version of myself and securing you know my future because i feel like i have worked so hard to get to where i'm at and i continue to work so hard that i want to get to a point in life where i can take a step back and and chill out you know if i need to and 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 feel secure in that Mm -hmm. um for when i do eventually have a family and be able to be like i want to take time off i want to do this you know i don't want to feel like i did when i was 17 18 19 and barely making it and barely getting by and 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 stressing about stupid things when i'm not enjoying life you know hell yeah we're here to play we're here to have fun yeah trying to experience life that's what it's all about do it with a smile yeah god man it's an honor to be able to sit here with you and and talk to you again brother yeah it's it's been it's been a while i'm glad glad to be back hell yeah hell yeah um where's what's your social where can people follow you at Cub Swanson, Instagram, Twitter, and um, Facebook. Um, Where can people buy your dope little stickers? You can get my stickers a couple places uh, <laughs> in uh, virusinternational.com. Uh, and then, um, was it, uh, DC Mouthguards. They're actually making some of my stickers, too. Kill the Cub. Yeah, and you can get one my the Mouthguards dope, there, too. One of the too. dopest logos in MMA, for sure. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. it did. It represents me. It's uh, it's a, it's a playful yet kind of scary logo yeah a teddy bear uh, with a fucking ski mask (laughs) yeah yeah i mean and that's me it's like i am nothing like the person in the cage unless i get backed into a corner right you know so that's that's kind of what what it's all about hell yeah 
Awesome, man. Thank you, my brother. Thank you, everybody. Peace. Thanks for listening, everybody. Please go to iTunes and leave a review if you enjoyed the podcast and go to onnit.com slash Aubrey, O-N-N-I-T dot com slash Aubrey to get the latest tools for human optimization. Thank you. Much love.